स्मार्ट यू आर लिसनिंग टू अमिंट प्रोडक्शन प्रॉट यू बाय एच टी स्मार्ट हेलो एंड वेलकम टू टेल मी हाउ यू डेट इट आई एम नम्रता सकारिया एंड आई एम हियर टू ब्रिंग टू यू माई हैंड पिक लिस्ट ऑफ सम ऑफ इंडिया फाइनेस्ट ब्रांड्स येस आर बेस्ट होम ग्रोन कंपनीज that can compete with the world's best and still win the battle hands down these companies range from food fashion and film to home art and design i'm only too happy to talk to the founders who not only chased their rainbows they also made india proud make sure you tune in at hdsmartcast.com week after week to shake the hands that built our best businesses listen to them tell me how they did it I know tell me how you did it is a business podcast but how can we talk about india's finest businesses without talking about the movie business right bollywood or hindi cinema is the world's largest film factory in the pandemic year which is 2020 it was estimated to be at a net worth of 25 billion us dollars besides it is so obviously the country's biggest influencer I'm especially excited to bring to you producer Riya Kapoor, one of the most notable names in the industry today. Her last film, Viridi Wedding, starred four women in lead roles and still pulled in 100 crores at the box office. Yes, Riya is that kind of girl, one with guts and conviction, here to write her own roles. Hi Riya, welcome to my podcast. Hi, nice to be here. I really want to ask you and you're probably the only producer I can ask this of do the numbers of movie making excite you or is it mostly a creative high for you you know i never i never got too enthralled by numbers i never was really into numbers as such um not because i don't think that it's a business and you need to respect you know uh, people that pay money to come and see your art and come and see the work that you create it's because i think that the way that i was raised the way that my father brought films into our lives into our consciousness was as something that he was giving his everything to you know it wasn't like this is the business i'm in it was that this is what i'm spending my energy on this is what i choose to work hard for and this is what i this is what i want to give my life to you know and um, so when you're introduced to film like that you're not really thinking oh this is going to make me money you're thinking this is something that i'm going to have to work really hard to do well you know this is something that i'm going to have to respect and this is something that i can't take for granted it doesn't just get handed to anybody because this has been my father's attitude towards making movies uh you're privileged to be able to make movies for a living that you're privileged that this is your job you know so um for me films have always been i wouldn't say just something i'm passionate about i think it's something that i feel a very serious responsibility to i know my films are really fun and they don't really take themselves seriously and things like that but i mean if you look closely every one of my films aims to of course entertain people but also leave the world as a little like a, a little better than when you know before you saw what we kind of you know offered you i really have intentions behind everything i do i take it very seriously i don't 
take making films lightly. I make one every two to three years. Now I make a little more. But um, yeah, so it's never been about the numbers. It's just been about, it's always just been about having the privilege to actually do something like this and to really, really take it seriously and do it well and and not take for take lightly that, you know, I have been put in a position of privilege. Not many people get to make films when they're 21 years old. So I don't really touch movies that I feel any other producer can make. I only make movies that I know are my movies and I'm probably the only one that's been put in a position to make them. Like it's not easy to make V-Dayty Wedding. It's not easy to take four girls and make like an R-rated mainstream movie about girls just living their lives and making mistakes and, you know, trying to sort of shed stigma while entertaining the audience at the same time. Not a lot of people got that film, but I have been put in a position where I am blessed to know that no matter what, my parents have my back. And that gives me the ability to take these kinds of risks. So I take that very seriously. So coming back to your point, clearly money is not what I'm thinking about. I'm 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 genuinely uh, committed to my my little mission. Your father, of course, is the legendary Anil Kapoor. You refer to him. What is it like growing up? You know, as Bollywood blue blood. Your uncle is Boni. He's been a major producer. Your sister Sonam and and cousin Arjun are both top-lining actors. I mean, it seems like a glamorous little bubble from the outside, but I'm sure it's not quite the walk in the park on most days, right? So it's really funny to me when people are like, what was it that like? That's the only truth I know. I only know Anil Kapoor as my father. I don't have any other dads, (laughs) you know? So for me, it's like, this is normal to me. But at the same time, I'm very aware of things in my life that are not normal. I'm I'm utterly aware of it. I don't think it's normal to have people standing outside your house when you're having a family dinner, taking pictures. I'm very aware that it's not normal to have media outside your house when you're celebrating Diwali with your family and friends. I'm very aware that when somebody close to you passes away and you're doing the last rites in your the entry of your house that you're trying to fend off people trying to look in. I'm very aware of all of these things. And I'm very aware of the fact that not a lot of people get security from their family and from their parents. Forget about what industry they're in. You know, um, sometimes you're, you have to be super privileged and super lucky to be born into a family where your parents are equipped enough and your family has been lucky enough and blessed enough that they can take care of the next generation without leaving that generation to its own devices. You know, those are things that I am grateful for. Those are things that I know are not normal, you know, quote unquote. Um, But yeah, dude, my mom is a super strict conservative South Bombay banker's daughter So we never really grew up as filmy kids. We were not really allowed to go on sets. We were not really allowed to go to any filmy parties. We weren't really encouraged to, you know, create like cliques and hordes of filmy friends. All of my friends, even today, none of them are in movies. It's just my family. Um, All my closest friends, one is a chef, one is a designer, one is 
you know, one works in marketing, one, you know, and they have really nothing to do with films, which I love. And uh, that's something that I give a lot of credit to my mom. So in a lot of ways, our childhood was supremely normal. My mother was very strict. I was not allowed sleepovers. I had a very strict, um, you know, curfew. We weren't really allowed to be out that much. I remember the first time I had a sip of a drink. I tried a beer. It was a craft beer. I was very young. My mother, and I swear, like I have no reason to lie to this date, but I remember I had a sip of a beer and obviously she could smell it, but I literally just had a sip and she slapped me. <laughs> she was like, no, but um, we, we didn't really have a very glamorous upbringing. There was a lot of stress put on school and grades. I was a good student. Um, you know, I, I was, uh, and I like to be alone. I like playing with like my Barbie dolls and I like reading and I like watching movies. And uh, yeah, so in a lot of ways, my childhood was very normal. But in a lot of ways, as I grew up, I started becoming aware of all of the things that were different from other kids. My mother put us in Arya Vidya Mandir, which is a supremely um, strict, academically inclined and pretty conservative school. And none of my friends, it was only my family actually in, in school that was from the film industry. Yeah. Most of the film industry kids were either in Jamnabai or Manikji Hooper or whatever. But we were the only filmy kids in Arya Vidya Mandir. And all of the people that I grew up around, my, my mother made sure were very aware of what a normal childhood looks like you know um but yeah so so we were pretty protected my my mom was made sure of that and I only really got a sense of the industry when I when I started working in it you know and before that I didn't they were just aunts and uncles to me and I didn't really know yeah. what they did yeah. we didn't you know that was not a that was not what my mother intended and then you married a director right Karan Bulan <laughs> it's such an interesting dynamic you know a uh, producer director married to each other what are your working days like and what are your downtime days like both of you are just recovering from covid which is explained <laughs> yeah. as well you know uh, karan and i have been dating since i was 21 years old and um, it's been 13 years now i just turned 34 but and, you're married uh, now we, you're not oh, dating yeah, anymore <laughs> Yeah, um, we just got married. It's been it's going to be six months on uh, the 14th of February. And um, I don't know, man. It's like we grew up together. We know everything about each other. We love each other very much. But more than anything else, we're so close. And we just like to hang. Like, I think that if anybody asks me, how do I know when someone is the one? I think it's the person that you just want to be around you know I just we just want to be around each other we like each other's company a lot and uh, we do everything together so we actually met working together we met on Ayan Mukherjee's Wake Up Sim so in that way uh, Karan was the associate director on the film and I was a DA on the film Ayan hired me straight out of college Um, I came back and he met me outside Zen Z at the time I'll never forget it that's a bad right yeah, yeah, it was in Bandra. It shut down. Yeah. And he said, come now, babe. Come, work on my film. I want your mind. And all. I was like, okay. And then I, I had just come back from NYU and I was really depressed because I didn't want to be back in Bombay. I wanted to be in New York. I loved it so much. And um, he just hired me on the film. And he was like, you're going to be working under Karan, this guy. And he's he's really great. He's really talented. And, you know, this and that and all. 
and uh, Karan had worked on some Italian film and some Australian film, and he was basically a documentary filmmaker. He decided to start assisting because he wanted to get into feature films, and so I met him, and uh, he didn't even look up. Like he was wearing a hoodie and he was working on his laptop, and I remember he didn't look up. He was just like, "Oh, stuck this Anil Kapoor's daughter on my head. She's probably going to be useless." <laughs> And like, I, I, I was, I was useless. <laughs> I was just like, I didn't really know my place. You know, I just didn't know what I was supposed to do. And I just absorbed as much of it as I could. And uh, so now when we work together, um, it's interesting because the dynamic has changed. I've made three films since then. And um, it's interesting because I think that it's difficult to work with your partner or your family with anybody but at the same time there's something oddly comforting about it there's something oddly comforting about the fact that you know what's in that person's head you know what they mean when they say something you know where that thing is coming from and um so in a way you're not left in the dark because the creative process is is intimate and you're being so intimate with strangers when you're making a film you know um so you sometimes you don't understand every emotional outburst or you don't understand every choice or you don't understand every direction a person takes but when you're working with family or working with your husband you get it so that part of it i like and uh, down days are just we just chill we watch stuff i cook we have our friends over all the time we're like a very obsessive compulsive group we're always around each other yeah i follow and, you on instagram uh, i'm virtually <laughs> at all your parties <laughs> yeah and i just i'm just really blessed you know in this in this pandemic i think that i'm just so lucky for my friends uh, for my circle my family i just feel so safe i just feel so comfortable in my own skin and i just i'm just happy you know that's fantastic so i've watched all three of these films in the cinemas and i've loved all of them for the same reason especially that they are led by women characters aisha khoobsurat viridi wedding why do you want to tell women's stories and nobody else is telling them <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't i fully concur i couldn't agree with you any more and you know i think being a woman is moot to be able to tell a woman's story too because you know gender is not is not just a label you know it's it's really a prism like you can't put it in a box and say oh gender doesn't matter i don't i don't subscribe to that you know we need to be cognizant of it and even feel empowered by it and that sort of representation is important you know see where my passion for making these kinds of films came from is that when i was growing up and i was 12 11 12 13 14 15 i started to have all these questions about love about kissing about drugs about alcohol about lying about sex about friendship about i don't know all of these things and the kind of upbringing we all have it's very difficult to have these conversations as a girl with your mother or your father and you're not getting a lot of information from your elders you're getting information from these compartmentalized sources and bits and pieces and that is not satisfying and it it doesn't doesn't give you a clear picture so i started to get all this information from american films and european films which is where most girls are getting it from like you started to understand what a hookup and casual sex is when you watched friends you know what i mean and you understood oh like you're going on a date and like he slept with her and then he didn't call her back and that's a dynamic and 
So yeah. you started to get all this information, but that's not our culture. It's not our world. It's not something you relate to. It's something that you have adapted and made your own because it's such a big part of your life, but it's not really true to where you come from. So I call them sleepover films. I loved my sleepover movies that I watched over and over again with my friends or with my family. I mean, my sisters, basically. And I wanted to make those films. I wanted to make films that answer these questions for young girls, that inspire young girls and and that I want to watch with my friends and I want to watch with my sister and um, that become like my escape. Like every time I'm upset and I, I, I need an escape, these are the films I put on. You know, Julia Roberts is my therapist. Peace <laughs> with the School is another therapist, you know. And I just, I just think that it's important because... Girls trust girls and girls are really loyal. You know, there's a reason that these women never stop being giant movie stars. Yeah. You know, Rambo gets old, but Julia Roberts will never get old. You know, so, yeah. so that's really where my thought process comes from. I want to make mainstream movies that have women in them because girls can relate to it. Yeah. I think girls are fun in general. They're more interesting to me and... That's what I want to do. That's what makes me happy. And that's what I connect to. You know, it's it's yeah. what makes me go back in time and remember all of these feelings. And yeah, so that's, yeah, that's and all these really films, why I make the movies I make. All these films are four years apart, but they all have, you know, the sense of modernity, you know, about them. They speak to the friends watching Indian or the global Indian, much like, you know, who you are yourself. Um, and I'll even say that the films have been, all of them have been a little before their time and they've all initiated us into some sort of, uh, by us, I mean the viewers, you know, your your watchers into some, a new type of filmmaking. I mean, Aisha introduced us to luxury fashion brands on screen, you know, Virevi Wedding brought on this very new and chaotic sort of feminism where all the characters you know, sort of had agency or sought for agency over their bodies and their lives. So it's it spoke to us, right? It spoke to the young new Indian woman. I mean, Kupsurat also specifically, like I loved the making that movie. That's probably I loved my watching that things. film. Yeah, because uh, my favorite thing about that film is when she has the scene with Fawaz, which I don't think is in any of the Disney movies. I mean, maybe Frozen has that a little bit, but she has a scene with Fawaz Millie where. Fawad, she tells Fawad that I'm not going to change for anybody. That I'm not going to change for any other guy. I've made a, I've made that mistake before and I won't do it. And there is no fairy godmother. And she doesn't make for a gown. And she doesn't dress her up. And she doesn't go to the ball where the prince then sees her with new eyes. Because I love that for a Disney princess. Millie is an actual Disney princess. She was Disney's first live action movie. And it's part of the Disney princess story you know and that's what I loved about it because I was like why is it that every time the princess has to go get the prince's attention the princess has to change everything about herself you know and and then it's like oh the prince has seen her for the first time you know and I loved that about this film because he comes to her at her terms you know uh, in her safe place in her comfort zone and he comes to her and says that I want you just as you are will you have me you know and I love that about that movie because I want every young girl who dreams about Fawad Khan to know that even Mm -hmm. Fawad Khan is not worth it if you have to wear a gown and glass slippers for him if that's not what you want to do and that's really the message of the movie the message of the movie is not the love story the message of the movie is that this girl knew herself and she knew that she was perfect just the way that she was 
Yeah, I totally see that. And, you know, this is pre-Disney started doing it with their own sort of fairy tale retellings, right? You started it much before they did it with their English films. Fantastic. It's a big, big compliment to you. I want to ask you, you so about... Much. I want to ask you about the Vire, the wedding sequel that you've just announced. What are you ready to share about it? But I've not announced it. Everyone else is announcing it. <laughs> what? There was a very popular exchange with Kareena Kapoor. My exchanges with Bebo are very Bebo-sided. Okay, Bebo's <laughs> like, this is on and it's happening. Bebo and I uh, are, she, you cannot get me away from Bebo. She's... Sonam and Bebo are my ultimate muses and they will always be. And uh, I am working on something with Bebo. It's not Vire 2, but Ooh. it is right It is right now. Um, it's going to take a little bit of time, but it's very exciting. It's probably the scariest, most ambitious thing I've ever done. But I am very, very excited about it. Uh, Karina Kapoor Khan will always be my... I will always take every film to her because she can do anything. She's a superhero. <laughs> and, uh, she yeah, is. So I, I tell her you're India's Beyonce. I call her Queen Bebo. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, dude, I am. Uh, I have a vision for VDD Wedding for what I want the franchise to be and what I want it to stand for. There will be a VDD Wedding too, but not just yet. And when it is ready, uh, I will announce it. But that is not in the cards in the immediate future. Because I, I really believe, like what you said earlier, you know, I really appreciate and I, I'm so happy to hear that because even though I'm not the loudest voice in the room, I hope that at least a bunch of people understand that I really want to do some things that are ahead of their time in a way where I want to think differently for other girls in the industry because yeah. I've been put in a position where I can't do that and I have a responsibility to do it. And um, that movie did so such incredible things for me and it did so well. I never imagined in my wildest dreams it would move the business it did. I mean, it was the largest opening for a female protagonist film ever in the history of the yes. country, yes. you know. And um, because of that, I don't want to take it for granted. Mm-hmm. And I just, I want the next one to be 10 times more progressive, 10 times more exciting, 10 times funnier. And all of the things above, I just don't want to do it for the sake of doing it, you know? Yeah, I think Vire is a very, very important film, you know, and I told you over the phone earlier, you know, it's going to go down in history as one of the top films made. It's going to go down as a cult film because it it changed the game for uh, for so many people, you know, it changed the game of cinema quite, quite simply. Dude, it's not supposed to be, you know, the, the one thing I want girls to understand about that movie is that the moral of that story is you can f*** up, and you can still be happy. You can be okay. That's the only... That, you know how they say what's the moral of the story? Yeah. The moral of the story is that nobody is comfortable on a pedestal. No one is comfortable on a pedestal. We're all human beings, especially women. And we've got this idea in our head that if you do one wrong thing, that defines you for the rest of your life. Whether it's a divorce, whether it's screwing up a proposal or a marriage or whether it's it's committing and not being able to follow through it's okay we're we're all human we're human beings and as women we're empathetic and we find it hard to say no sometimes we find it hard to do the right thing we have to do the hard thing sometimes you know and that's fine and i just wanted girls to watch the movie laugh and come out feeling a little liberated that okay i f***ed up a little but i'll also be okay <laughs> you know what i mean that is the idea of the movie real why is fashion and style such a big part of your cinema um 
I love fashion. I've loved it my whole life. Um, I think that I took to fashion because I think that fashion is pure creation. It's pure imagination and it's pure talent. I find genes to be limiting, you know. Um, you're born beautiful. You didn't do anything about, conventionally beautiful. You didn't do anything to achieve it. But only the truly talented are fashionable. You know what I mean? Only the true, if you have a true idea of who you want to be and who you want to build and this persona you want to create and these tools you want to use, can you be fashionable? It takes effort, you know, and yeah. I, I love what Isabella Blow said about it. I like how she kind of put these things on herself, you know, to make her this character and this entity. She had full control over it, you know, and Dita Montes does the same thing. I admire these women because they have said that, you know what, I know that I was put on the earth a certain way and people will look at me like that, but I'm going to control the narrative. I'm going to control how people feel when I walk into a room because it is in my control, you know. I just feel like a lot of the times girls will walk into a room or boys will walk into a room and they are at the mercy of people's opinion, okay. But there is something in fashion that lets you take a hold on that narrative, you know, and it helps you fake it till you make it. I think a lot of, you see that a lot in the gay community because of this, because of the fact that you're trying to find strength, you're trying to build a narrative, you're trying to build this idea that's been in your head, in your actual tangible body and exterior. And you want to, you want to be that person. You look in the mirror and you're like, you know, this, this skinny guy in this like polo t-shirt and his jeans that my mother has bought me is not me. In my head, I look like Lady Gaga. You know, my soul, my soul looks like David Bowie. You know what I mean? And you can create that and you can do that. And I think fashion is a tool. So I was really a skinny kid and I was a, I was not some girl that that, that felt comfortable with the conventional way all our heroines were presented. They were always either in bras or salwar kameezes. Their hair always looked a certain way. Their makeup always looked a certain way. What do you mean they were certain... in bras? Like in those pointy bras? No, I mean like, you know, when I was, say, I would say 15, 16, there was this whole, a bunch of films that came out which either had heroines in salwar kameezes or they were in like these little tops and these little shorts and these little... You know, I don't want to say what films, but, okay. you know, it was just, there was this idea of the heroine that's either this highly sexual, objectified, hot chick. She's always young. She's always inexplicably showing everything in her body. Or she's a good girl and she's a heroine and she's wearing a white salwar kameez. And her hair is straight and she's very pretty and you'd like to take her home, you know. I'm very uncomfortable with this vamp vixen virgin mother i'm very uncomfortable with this whole situation i don't like it i never related to any of these women i don't oh she's a tomboy and nobody likes her you know what i mean no guy wants her and then she changes and then all of a sudden the guys love her you know yeah i never got i i didn't understand that and i never i never got it because i never met any of these girls you know <laughs> i met girls in my life that had a little bit of everything and they were women they were real women you know so I just took to fashion as a tool when I was growing up because I love that you didn't have to just be one thing. I used to walk the streets of New York when I was in college and there would be days where I would go be in vintage stores for three, three hours and buy these 
full skirted dresses from the 50s for like $25 and $50 and you know I'd also buy some things that were not that cheap and um wear them to class you know um do whatever I want feel however I want and for the first time in my life I didn't feel defined by being Anil Kapoor's daughter for the first time I in my life I didn't feel defined by my body type for the first time in my life I didn't feel defined by how pretty somebody else is in a room you know sometimes you can feel great about yourself and then you walk into a room and there's this one man or this one woman that everyone's looking at and suddenly you start to compare yourself to that person and that happens a lot in the film industry it happens a lot in the film industry because there's a lot of beautiful people in the film industry but i don't think that should define how you feel about yourself you know so it just it it made me feel so free and i just felt so much in love with it i became obsessed with it i became like a student of fashion and then i became obsessed with characters and the way that they dressed so when i started to make my films the tools that my character used in terms of fashion just became so important to me because i remember falling in love and having this picture in my head of what you know this actress wore in that like pretty woman dude i will never get those boots out of my head they'll just never leave I will never get that outfit out in my head where she goes in and she's like, they refuse to serve her, and then she walks out and she says that big mistake, big huge, that hat and that yeah. jacket, yeah. and I, that outfit that she's sitting and her friend comes to visit her, the Beverly Wilshire, and she's like, oh my god, you know, I'll never, this will never leave my brain because it made such an impression on me, and I want, it just made me so happy. So when girls come into my movies to watch my movies, there's something in it at the end, right? There's something that I want you to leave with. but i want you to enjoy the ride i want you to want to get into this world i want you to look at this world and be like yeah i want to spend 2 hours of my life there you know and fashion is such it's such a fun part you know it's such a fun part of our visual medium so yeah why not and and if girls can understand how these characters are using these tools i i i'm all for it dude i want to see interesting fashion out there and i want girls to use it You also does this raison still exist? This lovely little you know mass fashion <laughs> brand you launched with Sona. You know you sent us these jars of toffee in the office. Does that lovely <laughs> brand still exist? So it was called Reason. It is called Reason. Reason. And basically, um, we uh, made a decision to kind of rebrand and restart the whole thing pre-pandemic, okay. only because there was a lot of waste because it was a high street brand. and there were a lot of um ideas that we started this this brand with inclusivity uh sustainability and because of the sort of system we were functioning in we were functioning you know we were in partnership with shopper stop and whatever so yeah. the brand was doing ridiculously well yeah but all of the things that sonam and i wanted to integrate into the brand were not possible because in india these brands have a certain way of working and it's very difficult to get out of that system it's very difficult to argue your way out of that system it's very difficult to try one little small thing and the progress in that for me was too slow and i felt like i'm letting myself down and sonam and i just felt like this isn't the vision so let's restart and actually we were supposed to restart in with a new vision which we still have but then the pandemic hit and retail kind of went for a toss so we were actually supposed to relaunch at the end and of 2019 the beginning of 2020 with a new look a new vision a new everything um uh, sustainability lifestyle sizes um fabrics that we were using in fact a lot of our uh, accessories were coming from china we wanted to stop that we had stopped that and uh, we were wearing it out and we wanted to make our accessories in india 
but all of this thing kind of went to dust because of the pandemic there's something fantastic to look forward to this is great news so we are sonam and i are very excited about the fact that we have a new vision for reason and um, it's grown up with us and we're kind of relaunching it because you know it was honestly a massive blessing because i don't know what would have happened to the business like we literally i'm not joking hamata we stopped production of reason 3 months before the pandemic hit we had no idea nobody had any idea and then we started looking at the retail numbers and i'm like oh my god i see the decisions other retailers and all of had to make it's a bloodbath you know what i mean yeah, so yeah, um it was so crazy everything just happened like the way that it was supposed to happen i think and now um you know the brand that we can look forward to the idea that we can look forward to is very different from 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 where it was but i i feel like it's much more contemporary and much more appropriate to the time you've also just collaborated with kai shoes yes okay so how did that come about so uh, kai reached out to me for uh, creating like a like a little collection within their larger collection as my signature okay. collection for a couple of seasons and uh, yeah i really liked the team i liked the ideas that they had and i liked how comfortable their shoes were and honestly i kind of got into it because i was a little greedy to expand my own shoe wardrobe because i'm old now and everything hurts <laughs> You know, yeah. I just don't have. Honestly, I've lost my patience. When I was eighteen, I used to run around New York, and I was telling Tara the other day, I was like, I used to go to class in stilettos, you know, and like run, like literally run to get cabs in like four-inch, like skinny Louboutins, and you know, like I had the patience, you know, I had the patience, and but I, I, I'm just, I can't do it anymore. I'm over it. I'm just. i need to be comfortable i need to be comfortable i need to still look chic and i just i can't do it anymore i'm not i'm i'm not a good woman namrata <laughs> <laughs> you were sneakers to your sisters wearing under a lehenga how do i ever forget that that is just like amazing yeah i mean i'm glad it became a trend because i just figured like i couldn't believe that that like i put the picture out because anand put it out first you know and my mother was aghast she was like what are you doing and i was like see everyone's doing it <laughs> yeah, i think i thought it was incredibly chic priya thank, thank you for this interview you have been a great beacon of how to live in style and how to work in style and of beautiful and strong cinema i can't wait to watch your next film Thank you so much. Thank you for the interview. Thank you for saying all these wonderful things. And uh, I look forward to listening to this. To actually, li- like, I don't even know what I've said, but I'm <laughs> excited. <laughs> It's been fantastic, and you're going to love it, as will everyone okay, else. Okay, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Bye. If you enjoyed the show or not, write to me on Instagram, Twitter, or Clubhouse at Namritasitar. You can catch the video podcast on the Lifeline channel on YouTube. For updates on Tell Me How You Did It, follow us at HT Smartcast. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse. To listen to more podcasts, log on to htsmartcast.com or suno nay nazariye se. This was a Mint production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast.